Benjamin Castle are Americans. Watching the footy. Bonus track, welcome to the eighth episode of Americans Watching the Footy. This is an emergency episode recorded after the Carlton Western Bulldogs affair because the list managers and the coaches are not fucking around. Yeah, normally we wouldn't go through an entire episode or mini episode just for team selection, but there are so many interesting moves, so many contradictory things to things that we said in our round two preview that we felt this merited an episode. If we had the time, I could go on for like an hour about the Bulldogs-Blues match, but we'll save that for the end of the weekend when we do our recap of round two. For now, we've got eight more games coming up, and six or seven of them have some pretty surprising selections and omissions, so we just wanted to put together this mini-episode before the rest of the games get underway for this round. So without further ado, we're just going to go through it in chronological order. So starting off Friday night... Sydney hosting Geelong. The one real surprise there, although I think if you had read and paid attention to things, you could have seen this coming. I still think it was unlikely, but Jeremy Cameron's going to play. He's back in. He's going to have his spot along with, as we mentioned before, Jed Buse and Mitch Duncan making their season debuts or debuts, as they like to say in Australia. Sean Higgins has been managed. I'm really shocked that Cameron's going to get in there, but clearly, considering his injury history, this isn't something where the Cats are doing this with any sort of concern that he could re-injure anything. They're definitely confident that he's a full go. And for the Sydney Swans, Chad Warner and Jake Lloyd are back. The big news there is that Justin McInerney is not able to play. We thought that that might be the case with how he started hobbling a bit near the end of the Sydney Derby last round, but he is a confirmed out Angus Sheldrick has also been omitted, along with Sam DeConing being concussed for Geelong. Quentin Arkell being chained up in a basement, you know, that's kind of what it's been. I was really hoping, I tweeted this multiple times near the end of last season in August, and then maybe a little bit after in September, I was praying that the Eagles list manager would get around to bringing him home, but clearly there was some money on the table for Narkel to sit around and do nothing. And if you can make money doing nothing, that's a pretty good life. Although, hopefully, he'll be able to do something pretty soon. Also, hoping that Grind Myers will be back into the swing of things soon. He, again, as we said in our full preview, is going to be playing VFL. If you heard Grind Harambe in the background, he also agrees that Quentin Arkell is being treated unfairly and deserves more opportunity. I'm with you, buddy. Meanwhile, looking ahead to the third game of the round, which will be the Saturday afternoon game between Collingwood and Adelaide. Really, this is one with less news on the home team's front. Mason Cox is injured and will not be playing. Kind of surprised that Darcy Cameron is only listed as an emergency right now. thought that he would be the one to get more time out of that. Cameron was thrown in as a possibility, but it looks like they're going ahead with Nathan Kruger, who came over from Geelong, along with Will Hoskin-Elliott. Trent Bianco was omitted. He was very quiet in round one against the Saints, and what was otherwise a really solid performance for the Magpies. The real story for this one is on the Adelaide side, where, as you hinted at the very start in our little mini-intro, they are not fucking around. 
To see Riley Philthorpe omitted after one quiet performance is a real surprise, especially with Taylor Walker still out. I thought that could have combined him and Joshua Shelley and had something pretty good. I guess the Crows higher-ups think that Phil Horp and Rochelle are basically the same player, and they think that Rochelle is the better option of the two for the moment. Meanwhile, Elliot Himmelberg remains in at half forward, so maybe they expect that he'll get greater opportunities or that the additional height will be a factor, although Phil Thorpe is not short by any means himself, so Himmelberg's going to be in there in the half forward with Jimmy Rowe and Ned McHenry, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what Kruger can manage. Collingwood is definitely in need of kind of a more physical, bigger body in a taller forward. Mason Cox is definitely a big body, but just despite his size, a bit easier to push around, so maybe that'll be where Kruger is going to be able to assert himself in a way that Mason Cox cannot. Moving on, also on the Saturday slate, also Friday night for those of us in the U.S., although it technically becomes Saturday morning if you're on the East Coast, Essendon hosting Brisbane at Marvel. Dane Zorko is a go for the Lions. No other changes for Brisbane besides Mitch Robinson's suspension, but the big news is that Nick Martin is now in protocols for Essendon. Really the one bright spot for the Bombers last week against Geelong, kicking five goals, and now he's not playing, though Jake Stringer is back in. Aaron Francis and Sam Durham also both in for the Bombers. How much of a trade-off is that? I mean, definitely less of a presence going toward full forward, more opportunity for Peter Wright. Maybe Jaden Laverde will be able to do more after getting banged up early on in the opener against Geelong. I really just think that this is just going to tilt the oval even more toward Brisbane than it already does. And yes, 0-2 may not be completely damning for a lot of teams, but if Essendon starts 0-2 in close to as bad fashion as they did their first game, I don't think they're really going to be much of a factor going for it. I think it's just going to take them out of it mentally, especially when you've still got Anthony McDonald, Tipping Woody waiting on the sidelines. This is a game that's going to be more about how they play rather than the actual result. Moving on, Port Adelaide hosting Hawthorne. By that point, all around the U.S., unless you're in Hawaii, the clock will have shifted into Saturday. Robbie Gray is out injured for the power, but Connor Rosie is going to be good to go, which, if you didn't realize, he did play last week. He He hit the goal, actually, I think. And still, he was barely noticeable. He was almost invisible, which is surprising for a player of his caliber. You normally wouldn't pick on a guy as much as we've kind of targeted him for having such a poor performance in round one, but he's such a talented player that you don't expect him to be so quiet. Plus, he's coming off signing an extension. Same thing with Zach Butters, although he performed a bit better, and this will be his 50th game, Butters. The new ins for Port Adelaide, Josh Sin and Sam Skinner. Meanwhile, for the Hawks, Ben McAvoy and Luke Bruce are out of protocol, as we said in the full round two preview. Liam Shields is a big out, though. Just straight up omitted, it says. Moving on, Gold Coast against Melbourne. This one really has no surprises at all from what we had previewed. Toby Bedford is going to be out for the D's, and Christian Salem is obviously out. I believe they said six to eight weeks. No real surprises there, though. That's really the one without any shocker at all. Just makes me more excited to see what these teams can do at full health. Just hoping that Raul can stay at full health even more than normal. Looking ahead to... The Saturday night U.S. slash Sunday afternoon tilt between North Melbourne and West Coast. This game is really the reason why we made this extra bonus feature. Because 
there are five new outs owing to health and safety protocol. We knew one of them, Josh Kennedy, but we didn't know about Isaiah Winder, Jack Redden, Tom Barras, and Zach Langdon. And considering how West Coast backline was still largely complete in round one, you could really take this two ways. One, West Coast was able to hang in there despite what they lacked up front. So I'm wondering, you know, how well those defensive units played. Having said that, they also gave up triple digits to a team that had never beaten them in Perth. So looking forward to the new opportunities that are going to be available there. Of course, some new names for this year are going to be older overall. Luke Shuey is returning to captain. Jack Darling is in. I have a lot of thoughts about that that I'll just leave for later. Liam Ryan is back, thank goodness. Tim Kelly should provide some good speed along with Jack Petrocelli going from mid to forward. And a couple names from the top-up list are going to be in. Former Fremantle player Stefan Giro, another good runner. And Declan Mountford, formerly of North Melbourne, were added from the waffle list. Of course, take all of this list info about the Eagles with a grain of salt because apparently they have a grand total of 12 players out and who knows which of them are among players we currently expect to be in. Yay. What we're seeing in West Australia right now and seeing all around the AFL really is what happened in America months ago once vaccination rates got up and society started opening up more where you start to see more and more people contract COVID, very few of those being actual serious cases because people are vaccinated and or boosted. And this is kind of nature taking its course. And this is something that Mark McGowan and his government decided to not let happen for a ridiculously long time, even when vaccination rates seemed to be at a point where West Australia had initially said they were going to open up. Then the Omicron wave hit and they decided to push the goalpost farther. So a lot of this is a product of the Western Australian government rather than anything else. And we are seeing this with other teams as well. We'll get to Frio in a bit, but it's hitting the Western teams much more than it's hitting the others. Other teams could have it happen. Wouldn't rule it out. It could definitely hit every team at some point. Hit the Swans with an issue early on in their training around Christmas time. Would you rather have it hit then or hit now if we're just looking at this from a competitive standpoint, though? And now I'm also just wondering how much further is McGowan going to move back the goalposts in response because... There's already a half capacity limit. I just wonder, honestly, fear that he's going to push back even further, wondering if we might actually get some rounds behind closed doors. I don't think it'll get that far, but I think this is Mark McGowan. will still continue because this guy is nuts. And I don't mean to usually be someone who interjects much on politics within another nation, especially one that's generally well run, you know, a democratic nation that has freedom of the press and free elections, but... This is nuts. Just looking at this lineup, it seems like the sort of game where the Eagles are going to need to do a lot of counterattacking, really rely on their speed, because it doesn't seem like the sort of game where they're going to largely dominate possession, although considering who they're playing, it is still possible. Speaking of who they're playing, no Jaden Stevenson for North Melbourne, omitted after one poor performance. Seems like a quick hook there. Wondering if he'll be getting some time in round one or two of VFL to see if maybe that'll get him back up to speed. I honestly like that David Noble is having little patience. He clearly wants to usher this rebuild along as quickly as possible. Another out in Ben McKay. We expected that he would be out with his injury. Paul Curtis, a new in for North Melbourne. 
Jared Pollock is also an important in there. Moving on to Richmond and Greater Western Sydney, the developing story at Punt Road throughout the week seems to have now reached a definitive conclusion. Dustin Martin is not playing. He is on personal leave, which began after the Monday film review session. There was talk about him still being named to the 22 initially, despite his leave, but we can see now that is not the case. Will Martin will be playing in his place. That's M-A-R-T-Y-N. No indication of what that personal leave is, whether that's something to do with family or something personal. Hopefully everyone's healthy. Hopefully everyone's okay, you know, no legal troubles or anything. Honestly, quite thankful that there really isn't anything being leaked. Not just because of what kind of leaks occurred in the first round, but just for the sake of player privacy. A couple key injuries for Richmond, though. Dion Prestia is out. You expected that his hamstring issue would keep him out for longer than was initially said, which I think they said three to four weeks on that. And Jack Revolt's hand injury is going to keep him out. Additionally, Jake Arts is out. But McIntosh, Parker, Maurice Riolian, so the double Rioli experience. It'll also be co-captain Toby Curtis's 100th game. For Greater Western Sydney, Braden Pruce is in, as we expected. Jesse Hogan and Nick Haynes are in after playing VFL last week. This is Hogan's 100th. It's also Tim Tarano's 100th. And Greater Western City stalwart Callum Ward's 250th. Jacob Hopper, meanwhile, is out. Simply managed. That was the one that caught me off guard there. Maybe not quite as stunning as seeing Jaden Stevenson manage, but I didn't think Hopper was that bad last week. It was definitely a substandard performance from him in the Sydney Derby, but quick reaction there. Curious to see if this kind of proves to be the end of the road for him. I mean, in the last couple of years, I've seen players that I've typically liked that kind of fall out of favor with their club quickly. I think best example of that being Mitch Wallace with the Western Bulldogs. So this could be one of those situations. We'll see if Hopper has a way back in, if this is just a matchup thing, if this is to send a message. I really think Hopper, Wayne Miller, Riley Philthorpe, and Jaden Stevenson all kind of fit in that same category. And I'm just more impressed when you talk about Hopper being managed that Callum Ward is playing in his 250th. He's an original Greater Western Sydney Giant, had four years before that with the Bulldogs, and is still an important figure there in the midfield. Scored 15 last year. 15-5, so still a pretty accurate kick, and scored a goal in the Sydney Derby. So congratulations to Ward on his 250th with the way that his career is gone. Looking toward the round two finale, Fremantle and St. Kilda. Well, we actually knew this news pretty shortly after we finished recording and uploading the round two preview, but Nat Fife is out. His back issue is continuing to keep him out. Seems like he's experiencing setback after setback with different injuries from before. David Mundy additionally out. The interim captain last week in health and safety protocol, as is Brennan Cox. It'll be interesting to see how they deal with the on-field leadership there. The new in for them is Nathan O'Driscoll, as well as Sean Darcy making his season debut. As we mentioned with the West Coast Eagles, because Western Australia had been shut off from everything, this is just kind of what was going to happen at some point, and it's a matter of when it was going to happen, not if. There was no way you were going to keep this virus out completely. Now it's hitting, and it's got some on-field repercussions. My question is, you know, the difference between 
this outbreak for Frio, which is only two players at the moment, and that of West Coast. I'm just kind of wondering what the tracing is going to yield on that front. I know that for the Eagles in round one, Tim Kelly's deal was that that came from, I think, within the family. So I'm interested to see, you know, if there are any leads that come out about where things originate for Frio. Speaking of tracing, circling back, Nick Martin is also out because of a case in his household. Now, this is something where Australia is totally differing from the U.S. The U.S. basically, once vaccination rates got up, and not all the way up to the level where they are now, but as of about a calendar year ago almost, contact tracing stuff was kind of out the window unless you were unvaccinated, although in some circles it did continue on for another few months. But I think that as the Omicron wave became prevalent, a much more contagious but much less severe version of the virus, and if this was YouTube, we'd already be demonetized for even mentioning it, by the way, contact tracing became less important, and this could be treated just like most other illnesses. So hopefully Australia realizes that as well, and hopefully things do trend in that direction where, yes, it's something that you can get and can knock you down for a couple days, but you don't have to worry too much about going to the hospital. I'm not exactly sure, though, what the, I believe it's the BA.2 subvariant will bring on that front. A surge is already being experienced in Europe. I'm wondering what measures Australia is looking to take, both within their domestic borders and their international borders, what they're going to do in terms of maybe trying to keep that out. But I imagine it's already there. So far, it seems to be just kind of an extension, albeit in lesser numbers, of what we had with Omicron in the U.S. around the turn of the calendar year. As for St. Kilda, the only roster we haven't really gotten to yet, no real surprises there from what we said in our preview the other day. Patty Ryder is going to the VFL this week. Two omissions listed for St. Kilda in Dee Kent and Mitch Owens. In their place, Tom Campbell and Jared Leinert will step in, but Ben Long remains in. He's been up and down and largely down since we started watching, so maybe this will be an opportunity for him to prove his worth when St. Kilda really needs other heroes aside from a couple Jacks, especially when one of those Jacks was a surprise in Jack Hayes. Jack, 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 Jack. Wanting to see what Jack Billings can manage to supplement Hayes and steal. They're also looking for a bounce-back performance from Jack Higgins. All right, that just about covers it. As much as I'd love to delve into last night's Bulldogs Blues showdown, we're going to save that for Sunday when we record our recap following the end of the round. There are just a couple of little notes there that I made that I do want to give very briefly. I thought it was a really difficult night for Ed Richards. Despite the outcome, I do really like what Mitch Hannon is providing for the Bulldogs. I think he is a super underrated part of that team. When we get to Sunday, we'll discuss, you know, should they be concerned with their 0-2 start? Are there enough external factors where you can shrug this off, considering round one, you're facing the reigning premiers, round two, you're playing without Bailey Smith? We'll get into all of that Sunday. For now, though, we're just gonna send you off into the sunset, into the wilderness, and... Hopefully, any sort of crazy desert animal doesn't come out and attack you. Hopefully, the dingo fence holds up. And hopefully for you, Ethan, you won't see eternal highlights of Buddy kicking his thousandth after the siren to beat the cats with Eddie Betts still storming the field. Again, if he does do it, I hope he does it like Nick Martin got his goals last week in garbage time without affecting the outcome. All right. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy the footy. See you around. Bye-bye.